Namaste and welcome to another edition of the Bharat Vartha Weekly. So this week we have plenty of news to cover. Uh, we're going to talk about the phenomenal rescue of the trapped miners in Uttarkashi. The latest from the COP28 summit that is ongoing right now. Um, and in uh, somewhat uh, you know troubling news, the US accusing India of yet another assassination attempt. Uh, the passing of two titans, uh, as you would call them, Henry Kissinger and Charlie Munger last week. And, of course, the exciting election updates uh, from MP Rajasthan, Chhattisgarh and Telangana. All of this on this Bharatwarta Weekly. If you're new to the weekly, we cover whatever news and events of the week that was uh, in a sane and um, sensible manner. Uh, we've been doing this for about three years now. And uh, if you like this kind of content, don't forget to follow and subscribe to us on your favorite platform. All right, Abhishek, there's plenty to get to. Let's talk about the uh, miners' rescue. Very optimistic uh, news. Um, you could call it Indian Jugard uh, wins over machines, right, in, in some sense. Uh, just to recap, on November 12th, 2023, a team constructing a 2.5-kilometer tunnel along the Brahmakal Yamunotri Highway portion in Uttarakhand were stranded after the tunnel collapsed, trapping the workers approximately 100 meters inside. After initial rescue attempts uh, with heavy machinery proved to be slow, a team of 12 experienced rat hole miners were brought in from different parts of India. After 26 hours, 26 hours of continuous digging, the miners finally broke through and reached the trapped workers. The rescue operation was a monumental success with all 41 workers being rescued alive. Uh, well, it is uh, somewhat um, phenomenal, I should say, right? I mean, I think um, perhaps someone can make a movie about this. In fact, I think there is an Akshay Kumar movie that's uh, upcoming on something similar, right? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I think there was something made for the uh, case in Thailand, for sure. Yeah. No, there is there is a Bollywood movie upcoming on this, uh, on something similar. I think the last time the nation was obsessed with something like this, when that little boy Prince uh, fell into a, a well or some, some, something of that sort, right? Uh, but this is, uh, this is crazy. As someone who has a bit of claustrophobia, uh, right? I can't imagine being trapped under uh, for so long, uh, right? And uh, to me, a couple of things uh, stick out, obviously. Uh, one is the the sheer perseverance uh, and the amount of effort involved, right? Uh, you had uh, ministers both from the center and the state at the site very actively checking the ongoings, uh, right? I mean, we had uh, General VK Singh, who has been at the forefront of a lot of these rescue operations right there, uh, right? You know, uh, supervising some of the uh, actions and whatnot. So the amount of effort that India has put in uh, to, you know, galvanize effort in, in making sure that, you know, people are out is really heartening, um, you know, and, and this is, uh, you know, continuous, right? Whether we have to evacuate people from Sudan or Ukraine or something like this, uh, you know, it's it's amazing that uh, the nation comes together and more or less, I mean, all of these agencies come together to, um, you know, uh, take swift action. Uh, the second was, uh, I think the person who kind of won everyone's hearts was uh, the Australian engineer, uh, Arnold Dix, uh, right? I mean, um, I, I really like uh, what he said that, you know, 
the earth has kind of taken them and you know we are trying to prod prod the prod mother earth into giving back uh, our people right i mean um, very dharmic undertones in some sense right i mean he talked about of course you know doing a puja before uh, uh, you know ongoing operations and what not uh, right so and then the third thing was of course one of the miners who came out and asked if india jeet gaya uh, right what happened in the finals so yeah uh, splendid uh, news i mean all's well that ends well anything you want to add abhishek yeah i mean i was watching some of these uh, videos actually some foreign news channels did a better job for a change in explaining exactly what was happening uh, making like uh, interesting diagrams and models to explain you know what is happening uh, actually would give the canadians some kudos here for a change uh, but basically uh, if you see what i think we got lucky in the sense that uh, when this uh, sort of collapse happened uh, these 41 people did not get hurt firstly and then they got like a space of about 2 2 and a half kilometers of space of tunnel which they could access for basically living and surviving right uh, i mean they could actually walk around and do and play around I, I, i in fact one of them uh, said they used to play kabaddi daily right when they were inside just to keep going right to keep their spirits up and i think after a while we were at least able to provide them like some sort of regular food right not just uh, just dry fruits and stuff like that so i think after 10 12 days they were able to get some sort of decent food as well through a smaller pipe which uh, you know they were able to get through but yeah i think uh, uh, as you said arnold dix uh, he's like a very interesting character and charismatic character right the way he speaks and stuff and what he kept insisting in all the interviews was that uh, what was important is not just to bring them safely but also ensure that the people doing the rescue are also safe right so we were using uh, we got help from even japan i believe in terms of satellite imagery and all that right so uh, but what happened as you said is all the best tools as well kind of uh, could only go so far and it needed some uh, good old indian manual intervention like unfortunately named rat mining but these guys were the real heroes right who kind of uh, did inch by inch uh, drilling by hand to create that safe passage uh, so i think overall this is one of those good heartwarming stories i think for me like it felt like okay the the successful operation sort of uh took away the bad feelings of a world cup loss right i mean i would any day uh, take this over that uh, so yeah i think uh, great uh, work by everyone involved from the highest level to the last person doing the rescue right so Yeah so I just uh, found out that uh, the movie that I was talking about is called Mission Rani Ganj uh, it's based on the real life rescue story of Jaswant Singh Gill uh, who who led India's first successful coal mine rescue in November of 1989 so uh, yeah I mean you guys could check that out all right moving on uh, to some international news this year's COP28 summit or the conference of parties summit was held on December 1st and 2nd in the UAE where prime minister modi attended in person he met the leaders of several countries like the UK UAE Italy France and so on in bilateral meetings to boost ties 
In his speeches during the meeting, Prime Minister Modi spoke about climate financing, green credit and the role developing countries need to play in fighting climate change. However, I think uh, uh, the biggest highlight of the summit for all the Indians and especially the Twitterati um, and people online in general was the selfie that the Italian Prime Minister, uh, Prime Minister Giorgio uh, Meloni took um, with Prime Minister Narendra Modi with the hashtag Melody. It's nice to see that, you know, both the Prime Ministers are kind of playing along with the brouhaha that happened uh, post the last time, uh, you know, post the G20 summit and so on. Uh, and, and then Prime Minister Modi co-tweeted that about 16 hours later, saying meeting friends is always a delight. Uh, you know, I, I want to project that friends meme, right, where they say, you know, they don't know, we know, they know, or something of that sort, right? Uh, yeah, this was fun. I mean, uh, Avishek, did you catch some of those memes and which was your favorite? No, I mean, I did see that uh, it's getting uh, talked about a lot on Twitter, Instagram, and even has reached reddit right where italians are discussing exactly why this is <laughs> being discussed in this way so quite amusing yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah plenty of memes around maybe we will put some of those up on the on youtube uh, right but do check it out it's and beyond all of the memes uh, shashank mattu um, who we've hosted earlier on the podcast and is somewhat of an expert on geopolitics and writes uh, these columns for mint has uh, talked about, uh, you know, how India and Italy have grown closer, right? I mean, of course, a uh, few of us might remember the whole uh, Marines situation where, you know, a bunch of Italian, Italian Marines had uh, shot some fishermen, Indian fishermen, and, you know, how, you know, India had to go to the international courts and whatnot, right? I mean, so it's been a bit of an icy uh, relationship between India and Italy, I would say, but, uh, you know, all of this has generated some warmth, and hopefully we will have some strategic uh, uh, you know, uh, some some strategic uh, advantages as well, right? I mean, certainly in, in Italy has, you know, a bunch of these defense companies and, you know, owns the kind of luxury market in the world also. So, yeah. All right, uh, more international news. Uh, unfortunately, not so optimistic. Um, the U.S. Justice Department on Wednesday accused an Indian government official of directing an unsuccessful plot to assassinate a Khalistani terrorist on the U.S. soil. They also announced charges against a man, Nikhil Gupta, accused of orchestrating the attempted murder. Responding on Thursday, India expressed concern about one of its government officials being lin linked to the plot uh, from which it has dissociated itself as being uh, against uh, government policy. Uh, well, Abhishek, we first saw this in Canada and now we are seeing this in the US. Um, is there some credence to these allegations? And if so, you know, what could be the uh, significance from a geopolitical standpoint? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, none of us can know. Uh, it's up to the government to tell us uh, after they have done the investigation, what they have found, whether these are uh, policies being made at lower level or is there someone going rogue? Uh, so we don't know what is exactly happening. Uh, but I think what has been interesting is that uh, India has tried to cooperate much more with the United States and both sides are sort of treating it at the appropriate level, right? It's not like Biden or Blinken are coming out and making statements and all that, right? And India has also taken it seriously and said that we are going to do an investigation. While in terms of Canada, the allegations were not credible or not detailed at all. Uh, but they came right from the top, right? So, which is not very useful at all if you if you want to have good relations. So I think 
that is something that I found quite uh, interesting contrast in the way India US and India Canada relations are going. Yeah, and this guy Panun has made some pretty, uh, you know, pretty serious uh, uh, claims, right? I mean, quite recently he was on record saying that he's going to bomb or destroy an Indian Airlines uh, uh, plane, right? And asked, uh, you know, Sikhs to kind of uh, avoid uh, traveling by Indian Airlines, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, anywhere else such a person would be designated a terrorist. Uh, so, you know, the U.S. not acting on this person when, you know, India has perhaps submitted a dossier or a couple of dossiers, uh, right, on him, uh, you know, gives a little bit of credence to that uh, theory that perhaps he could be an Indian, I mean, he could be an American asset of sorts, right? And and here again, it's not without, uh, you know, uh, it's not without a precedence. I mean, you had David Headley, for instance, uh, right? I mean, famously involved in the 2611 uh, attacks and whatnot. Um, who the FBI knew about and failed to warn uh, Indian authorities, right? And that had very drastic consequences. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, in one way, I mean, I, I feel, uh, you know, I feel a little proud that India is even accused of such things uh, in some sense, right? I mean, it shows our state capacity has gone beyond uh, our borders into, you know, wherever necessary, uh, right? But I mean, I hope that, you know, more saner minds will prevail and, you know, this is not a James Bond film. Uh, right, that uh, we will manage the geopolitical uh, consequences or some things like this. All right, uh, this past week also saw the passing of two titans in two different industries. Henry Kissinger, uh, the US ex-diplomat, and Charlie Munger, the investing mogul and Warren Buffett's uh, right-hand man. Henry Kissinger was a controversial Nobel Peace Prize winner and diplomatic powerhouse whose service under two presidents left an indelible mark on U.S. foreign policy. Uh, he died at the age of 100 on Wednesday. Uh, many hailed Kissinger uh, for his brilliance, but also others branded him a war criminal. Charlie Munger uh, was the outspoken business partner and sounding board of Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway CEO Warren Buffet for more than 50 years, and he died at the age of 99 in Los Angeles. Um, Berkshire Hathaway could not have been built uh, to its present status without Charlie's inspiration, wisdom, and participation, uh, Buffett said. The decline in Munger's health may have come suddenly because plans were being made to celebrate his 100th birthday on Jan 1st at a black tie New Year's Eve party in Los Angeles. Uh, well, I can speak about Charlie Munger. Um, really, his wit and wisdom has been an inspiration for a many generations of people, right, um, whether connected with investing or not. Um, you know, I mean, I myself have quoted Munger uh, often enough, I mean, a few times on the podcast for sure, uh, right, but uh, really the wealth of wisdom that he possessed uh, was something that people will remember him for beyond all of the riches and the money and uh, all of that stuff, right, because, uh, and, and here is a person who had um, who perhaps had very rough odds, right? I mean, lived through the depression, uh, was married at 22 and divorced at 29, um, right? And and this is, we're talking about 1950s, uh, right? Where divorce is still a taboo. Uh, and then his eight-year-old son is diagnosed with leukemia. And, uh, you know, there are many anecdotes and stories about how he would uh, spend time with uh, his son, Teddy, uh, during, uh, you know, his last days. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, his son passes away at uh, um, at age nine. And later in life, he also is, uh, I mean, he loses vision in one of his eyes due to a botched surgery. 
right and he learns how to read braille uh, and so on and so forth so this is a man who overcome tremendous personal tragedy uh, you know and really i mean to be a sounding partner and i would say the more interesting of the duo uh, with someone like warren buffett who is you know perhaps the best investor in the last 50 years um requires a certain metal right and charlie inspired everyone he inspired uh, you know the finance bros he inspired the startup guys he inspired anyone in policy politics etc uh, really uh, you know one of his quotes that i often live by is show me the incentives and i'll show you the outcomes or something to that effect right i mean which kind of explains pretty much everything um, there is right in in terms of how the world is structured um, he got it wrong on india though i mean he was uh, not very optimistic about india uh right and uh, I, i suppose he had more of the leak one you uh, uh perspective on india which is that it's too diverse and that we've taken perhaps the not so good elements of the west uh and sort of applied it here uh right but uh, yeah i mean uh, he will live on in all of the wisdom that uh, will long outlast him and uh, yeah um i hope uh, his family finds uh, solace Abhishek uh, Kissinger was a pretty controversial uh, chap right i mean um, yeah your thoughts yeah i mean i think he is universally acknowledged to be the most influential american di- diplomat uh, and that's where the universal part goes away and then there are like two very divergent views right i think in general the american right considers him like a heroic figure who's done a lot for the nation he basically uh, is considered like an ultra realist right who would do anything and everything if he thought it was in the national interest that I mean that's the that's what his uh, people who is supporters say while he is like sort of universally hated uh, by the american left and then ma- many people around the world right for uh, sort of many actions which have led to like very many deaths around the world right just like one or two examples can be if you think about Cambodia right he sort of gave uh, the green light to a massive uh, bombing of Cambodia during the Vietnam war with the idea that it would sort of cut supply uh, for the other side but i mean he kind of paid no heed to the human cost right and which basically led to a radicalization among cambodians and pol pot coming into power and then you know so many more millions of deaths after that right so cambodia is just one example he along with richard nixon very famously didn't like the indians right uh, and he sort of was very much in the pro pakistan side during the whole uh, bangladesh liberation episode right so uh, if you sort of listen to or read some of the things these guys were talking about indians you will kind of cringe a lot but you know that was their world view right so yeah i think uh, the interesting thing about kissinger i found is that officially he was in office only till the late till 1975 or 77 something like that but his influence sort of continued till the time he almost till he died right like he was sort of admired by both parties leaders from both parties in the us he also managed to gain a very big fan following in the, in china right where he sort of he sort of supposed to be the architect behind the us and china becoming more friendly over the years and so yeah his influence was obviously massive uh, he also as as you know has like huge number of critics most notably uh, the 
one person both admire right the late christopher hitchens he has a entire book on him laying out the case for why he should have been prosecuted for war crimes and so on so yeah uh, as controversial a figure as you can get in modern world history yeah uh, i mean no matter what you feel about him certainly you have to admit his um, you know imprint and sort of prominence right even 20, you know 30 40 years after his active uh, um, you know uh, being active in politics and so on right uh, uh, i i was looking at a quote by anthony bourdain of course the chef who uh, passed away and he says you know once you've been to cambodia you'll never stop wanting to beat henry kissinger to death with your bare hands you will never be able to open a newspaper and read about that treacherous prevaricating murderous scumbag sitting down for a nice chat with charlie rose or attending some black tie affair for a new glossy magazine without choking witness what henry did in cambodia the fruits of his genius for statesmanship and you will never understand why he's not sitting in the dock at the hag next to milosevic while Henry continues to nibble nori rolls and ramaki at alias parties Cambodia the neutral nation he secretly and illegally bombed invaded undermined and then threw to dogs is still trying to raise itself up on its one remaining leg wow yeah uh, and of I course i mean just the fact that peace prize uh, he got a nobel prize just after doing peace prize after doing that kind of i mean to me like all these things Absolutely. are a joke right like whether it I mean in our lifetime we've seen Obama getting yeah. it and he absolutely did not deserve or do anything before he got it so yeah, yeah. it's been going on for a long time yeah waged uh, way more wars than uh, you know the last uh, whatever time right i mean even obama uh, so it's a bit of a joke actually um, yeah and do check out the book uh, if not the book i mean at least a bunch of these lectures that uh, christopher hitchens did on kissinger it's uh, the book is titled the trial of henry kissinger uh and obviously very very scathing in typical hitch uh, style uh anyway it's uh, i mean uh, sanjeev uh, sanyal uh, tweeted out that right, that you know uh, as a uh, as a hindu i mean one should not talk ill about the dead but as a bengali hindu i mean he is he has been challenged on that front uh, just because of what uh, you know kissinger did during the whole liberation war right so All right, uh, we'll move on to the election results. These are, of course, the main news from last week. So, at the time of recording this, uh, BJP leads the race in Madhya Pradesh, Rajasthan, and Chhattisgarh. Congress, on the other hand, leads Telangana polls and is looking forward to a crushing victory over the party in the state. Uh, the counting for Mizoram will be held on fourth of December. Uh, so, I'll just read you the numbers real quick. So, in Chhattisgarh. BJP is at 56 and Indian National Congress at 34 uh Madhya Pradesh BJP is at 167 very convincing um Indian National Congress at 62 and others at 1 uh in Rajasthan BJP is at uh, 115 again pretty convincing uh the the Congress is at 69 and the rest of them have about 12 votes uh, amongst them uh and Telangana Indian National Congress is at 64 and uh BJP is at about 8 uh, BHRS at 39 and the rest of them have about 8 as of now uh so interesting results uh, certainly abhishek what do you make of this yeah i mean we have one clear trend that uh, bjp sweeping all three states in the hindi heartland uh, and two of which were like incumbent congress governments right uh, uh, rajasthan typically has been a state where you know the uh, 
government switches every five years and so uh, and in some ways i would say it was a bit expected uh, uh, there have been obviously internal dissensions within the congress party for a long time with uh, Sachin Pilot being one such prominent figure, right, who's been challenging the authority of the outgoing CM Ashok Gallot. So obviously the Congress was not necessarily a sort of united front there. Uh, I think the BJP relied heavily on uh, the Prime Minister's name. I think in all three states, the uh, manifesto of the BJP was titled Pradhan Mantri Ki Guarantee, right? So yeah, Modi Ki Guarantee. So it's like more than a manifesto. They are sort of putting his name as a guarantee for the uh, for the promises that are being made. So I think Rajasthan sort of follows the trend in that state. Uh, but Rajasthan, interestingly, has a lot of uh, votes for uh, the others, right? Like BJP and uh, Congress together, uh, I think only come to about 80% of the vote share. So 20% goes to like an assortment of other parties, smaller parties and so on. So that's an interesting uh, sort of phenomena there that continues. I think in Chhattisgarh, it's a bit of an upset in the sense, I think a lot of the media was expecting the Congress to continue to remain in power. Uh, but I believe uh, like the BJP did a lot of good work in the to gain the support of the tribal communities, right? In Bastar and uh, uh, places like that, right? and sort of had to come down and match the Congress for freebies. Uh, I mean, that's a sort of reality of politics that we have in India. So uh, I think BJP did pay a price for that in 2018, where basically uh, the BJP did not or could not fulfill the promises made earlier because then there was a principle stand being taken that we'll continue to only give up to like minimum support prices. Right, while uh, the Congress promised much more, I think uh, we, uh, both the parties sort of ended up matching uh, the on the freebie front here, uh, and Congress faced sort of some some amount of local anti-incumbency and so on. So the BJP performed quite creditably, and uh, we still have to see like who will be the CM face in each of these three states. Uh, it's not necessarily clear that uh, the previous CMs of BJP will continue. And as far as MP, I think it's a quite a stunning performance uh, to get, I think this is the highest ever by uh, probably BJP ever, right? Uh, 167 odd seats. Uh, I think just a few months back, uh, they were not in such a great position. Uh, and BJP sent quite a number of sitting MPs of Lok Sabha to contest assembly elections in Madhya Pradesh. I think they also sent a few in Rajasthan. So, uh, yeah, I think it's been a good turnaround by uh, the Madhya Pradesh BJP. I think some credit goes to the CM and uh, uh, some of his welfare schemes. Uh, but obviously, a lot of it is also down to the popularity of the Prime Minister. I think overall, it augurs well for uh, the BJP coming into 2024. Uh, if you look at some of the uh, exit poll data, I think one thing uh, which sort of stood out is that there's a tremendous amount of support for the BJP among women voters, right? And so that has been a continuing trend in these elections. Uh, finally, I think uh, when it comes to Telangana, I guess 
if you have not been following uh, Telangana politics very closely, this result might come as a bit of a surprise because, uh, you know, uh, KCR and his party have been ruling the state for 10 years in a row and uh, doing pretty well. Uh, if you speak to people in Hyderabad, they would be they would tell you they're quite satisfied with the uh, development that that city has seen. But it seems that there was a sort of perception that it's like very Hyderabad centric or there is like not a uniform uh, development of state that is happening. And so what has happened is like uh, while uh, BRS has done quite well in Hyderabad, I think in other areas, especially rural areas, the Congress with their various freebie promises has sort of done well and capitalized on this anti-incumbency and come to power. So it will be very interesting to see how this now develops for 2024. I think there's possibly a chance for the BJP, which has actually gained a bit in terms of votes and vote share and seats as well, to do quite well here in 2024. Yeah, I mean, it could, uh, in all terms, be a precursor to 2024, uh, right? Very strong voting patterns for sure. Um, right. Uh, of course, we'll do an election deep dive, uh, uh, you know, sometime uh, in the next month, perhaps, and we'll have, you know, either Rohit Jairaman or Prasanna Vishwanathan on the on the channel. Uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us uh, this week and uh, staying with us as long. If you liked the content, don't forget to uh, rate and review us, uh, share it with your friends so more people can discover our content and our channel. Uh, next week, we have an interesting episode with uh, Hindol Sengupta, who is an author and a returning guest. Uh, he talks about his new book, Soul and Sword, uh, which is about the history of political Hinduism. Uh, he talks about the difference between the Savarkar version of Hindutva today uh, and the Bengali version that originated long ago. And, uh, you know, some of the other parts in terms of the role of technology and social media and the future of our civilization and so on. Uh, very interesting content coming up. Do stay tuned. So from Abhishek and myself, thank you so much for joining. Do stay safe. Take care and Jai Hind.